Kiwi scientists have found a way to destroy forever chemicals in soil. They're called PFAS chemicals. Do you want me to have a go at the, uh, the whole name? Per and polyfluoroalkyl substances, PFAS, are known as forever chemicals because they don't break down on their own. They are resistant to water and oil, and they are used to make a range of products, like nonstick fry pans I was talking about, cleaning products, and also firefighting foam. There are numerous contaminated sites in New Zealand, um, and to be fair, they're mostly associated with the New Zealand Defence Force areas. Concerningly, some of these chemicals have been showing up in the country's water systems too. What can we do about it? I'm joined by Dr. Kapish Gobindlal, the Director and Chief Scientist at Environmental Decontaminator. What's wrong with me today? Environmental Decontamination Limited. I got cocky after saying the name of those chemicals. Kapish is leading this research, which is happening in partnership with University of Auckland. And Capiche joins me now. Hello there. Hi, Jesse. How are you? Pretty good, thanks. Not the only one getting worried about these chemicals, though. Someone tells me there was a, uh, a documentary called Dark Water, which really freaked them out. How long have we known about them, or how long have we been concerned about these so-called forever chemicals? Yes, that's a good question. I guess um, we've been using them for for a long time. They were actually invented in the uh, late 1930s, early 1940s. And like you mentioned, the first, the first product that they were initially used for was uh, Teflon pans. And since then, because the properties are so, so great, they've been used across a range of industrial products as well as a range of consumer products, which you, know, you and I sort of um, use on a day-to-day basis. So the, the data sort of started emerging on the health effects uh, some would say in the uh, 60s, 70s, 80s, with these companies who manufactured them, realizing that line workers were getting sick. Um, and then in the uh, late 90s and early 2000s, we sort of finding PFAS, we were finding PFAS in places we shouldn't be. For example, in, in the blood of polar bears, uh, in plankton, in all these places which aren't directly associated with PFAS products, we're finding PFAS. So um, then, and I guess in the last 25 years or so, we've sort of tied uh, the uh, health effects, the negative health effects of uh, using PFAS products or high concentrations of PFAS in certain products to um, endocrine problems, kidney issues, liver issues, and certain cancers at, at high concentrations as well. Gosh, that sounds like a worry. Um, and is our exposure to them growing or, or is it plateaued? Um, it, it's it's a bit uncertain at the moment. I guess everything's sort of happening at the same time. Yeah. The the health data is coming out at the same time. We're getting good at analysing them at the same time. We're finding the problems more prevalent in water and in soil. So, but on on a whole, we are phasing out PFAS. But the thing we're left with are these legacy issues of mm. pollution. So, PFAS containing products which are banned. Uh, we need to get rid of them somehow. But also places uh, we've contaminated, and there's, as you mentioned, a few good examples in New Zealand where we've identified significant PFAS um, in in soil and in groundwater. And now the question is, now what? How do we treat that problem? And it's not just New Zealand, obviously. It's it's the whole it's the whole world. Yeah. Even though we never manufacture them here, um, we're, we're we're directly affected. 
Where do the chemicals come from in the first place? Are they human-made? Yes, yeah. So the, these are man-made chemicals uh, that we initially manufacture them for. Um, they, they, they're good at forming foams. So these firefighting foams, where they're really good um, at being used, would suppress these fuel fires. So they're really good at air bases. And also, these firefighting foams would do would work really well. And um, then we sort of realized they could be used to uh, as stain repellents on carpets and on sofas uh, and even things like the inside of, of uh, your bag of popcorn. So they're, they're sort of everywhere and they are definitely a man-made substance so they don't occur naturally uh, in, you know, in the environment. Yeah. And that's another reason they just they don't break down. So the, the forever chemical nickname that they have is, is very apt for, um, for their properties. Tell me about the work you've been doing. So, yeah, the, the work we've been doing is really targeting how do we treat these problems. Um, so for PFAS and water, there's globally a bunch of different types of solutions. Um, so we can extract the PFAS out of water, for example. But for PFAS in solids, especially in soil, uh, you know, where we spread these firefighting farms of several decades on, on certain sites, uh, there's no real solution yet. And we wanted to really break down these molecules so that we don't leave problems for future generations. Mm. And so we, we have this technique, uh, it's called ball milling or high intensity ball milling uh, that can completely break down these chemicals. Uh, one of the problems when we first started was, okay, we got great results, but um, there wasn't a very good understanding of how and why these chemicals are breaking down. So in partnership with the University of Auckland and then my company, um, EDL, and the US EPA, we, we started really tackling those problems and defined, you know, here, here's how these PFAS molecules are being destroyed in this process at lab scale. Um, and then we did it with real world contaminated soils from these um, air bases in New Zealand. And then now we've seen that we could destroy uh, 100% or very close to 100% of PFAS in these, uh, in these real world contaminated challenges. That's incredible. Well, incredible you can do it in the lab. Is it realistic to think you'd be able to do it out in the real world? Yes, yeah, yep. So that's that's the next step for us. And, and that's where we have this sort of uh, unique situation taking place where we've already used the technology at scale for other similar types of problems like DDT and soil and those kind of um, scary pesticides that, that we've banned over time. Um, we just need to validate it and show the scalability of the technology that we have for treating PFAS. And then once we do that, it's like a tick box and we can start building operational systems, which either can be, you know, they can be mobile systems or, or centralized facilities where PFAS and soil will be, will be brought to these sites and decontaminated. Um, and then, you know, you have this inert material that may be reused afterwards. Is it unique, the technique you've come up with? Uh, well, the fundamental technique is not unique. So like when you're looking at a ball mold, it's, it's very similar to your mortar and pestle in your kitchen. It's just a million times more intense. Um, so that sort of technology exists. The scaled up version of the technology is where it's, it's very unique. Uh, there's nothing really like it on the market. And for um, targeting the destruction of, of these types of chemicals, it's, it's incredibly good. Um, so we're targeting 
you know, air bases where there may be, you know, 10 to 20,000 tons of material that needs to be processed over time, you need to do that at a fast enough flow rate and making sure that it's cost effective and, and feasible. Otherwise, you know, you have a great technology that no one will ever buy uh, or use. So that's what we're really targeting with this unique scaled up version of the technology and being really competitive within the market, we believe we could have a product or a service that could really address this problem, not just in New Zealand, but overseas as well. Yeah, and I'm picturing something like a plough. Like if you're trying to get to all that soil, you must have to, um, what, do you drive over it, kind of turn it over, treat it and lay it back down, or what's the story? Um, yeah, it's a bit more complicated. So the first part no is excavating, <laughs> excavating the soil, and then we have to precondition it. So that's just taking out, you know, branches and twigs and all that kind of thing, and drying it. Then it goes through these reactors, so these large, um, large scale ball mill reactors, uh, which which are very mobile, but they're the ones that do all the hard work and can break down these chemicals. Um, then after it's processed um, at a couple tons per hour sort of rate. It discharges, and then um, that discharged material can go back into the hole from you know wherever it came. So you, you don't really have to take it off site. You've decontaminated it, and it can go back in the ground, and it's it's safe. Okay, sounds good. Have you got international interest? You mentioned the US EDA before. Yeah, so the um, the United States uh, Environmental Protection Agency uh, approached us a couple of years ago, wanting to. They wanted us to advise on, on their work. And then after a couple of meetings, they just thought it would be easier to just pay us to do it. And so we formed this partnership. And um, that went really well. Now, the next step for us is uh, looking to access uh, U.S. Department of Defense funding because they um, fund these kinds of uh, environmental innovations. And um, we were in the final rounds for a couple of those as well. So... I travel back to the States every every couple of months um, and progressing the technology over there. And there's a big interest over there because very much like New Zealand, um, they have the same problems. But interestingly, there aren't any or there aren't many feasible technologies to treat PFAS in soil. So there's this urgent, dire need to, to solve this problem. Um, and their scale of issues is, is they, they have thousands of sites which probably creates two millions of tons of contaminated soil uh, that needs uh, treatment. So there's a bit more urgency from the Americans, and um, that's where we see an opportunity to get the technology validated, upscale it, and then um, exploit it uh, pretty much anywhere where it's needed. Good stuff. It's a real good news story. Um, Not the first part, but the solution at least. Capiche, great to talk to you, and good luck. Thanks, Ashit. Dr. Kapish Gobinlal from Environmental Decontamination Limited on getting rid of those so-called forever chemicals from our soil.